Bernard had already been shot six times with the defibrillator. Just to make sure his non-beating heart received a seventh shock, also to no avail. Rounds of medication and other efforts had failed to revive the patient. Marklin's lips, fingers, nose had literally turned black with death from a lack of oxygen. There was no doubt he was dead. After Marklin died, nearly everyone left the room. Nobody wants to remain around the smells and scepter of death. While a nurse prepared Marklin's lifeless body for the morgue, Crandall remained in the room to write up his final report. Once he completed his paperwork, he headed towards the door to return to his patients. Standing in the door's threshold, however, he was overcome with a strong feeling, a deep-seated sense that God wanted him to turn around and pray for Markham. At first, Crandall, a man of silence, was somewhat reluctant, even embarrassed. He felt foolish, but the request from God came to Crandall again, even more compelling this time. So he felt called to heed the message. As Crandall put it, he felt like God's intercom. And even though the words Crandall said came through him, he had no sense of devising them. They poured out of him of their own accord. Fearing God, Crandall prayed, I cry out for this man's soul. If he does not know you as his Lord and Savior, raise him from the dead now in Jesus' name. The other strange thing happened. Involuntarily, Crandall's right arm shot up in the gesture of prayer and praise. At that moment, the, other, the ER doctor came back into the room, and Crandall ordered him to give Markland what seemed to be one more useless shock from the defibrillator. At first reluctant, the doctor finally did as Crandall asked and applied the defibrillator. Immediately, the machine registered a perfect heartbeat. Markton started breathing on his own, his black cyanotic toes and fingers twitched, and soon he began to mumble. Jeff Markton had returned from the dead, and Dr. Rand Crandall would never be the same again. And what this did for Dr. Crandall was he then had come into contact with the Holy Spirit, and he also booted him into a healing ministry for which he's known. And so he practiced medicine, and all his patients he prays for. And he said of all of his patients, only one has ever requested he not pray. And many times when he prays, they don't need the treatment that they would normally require. When I read this story, and I had read a whole his whole life story, story, I looked back and I thought, yeah, he felt like many of us would in that situation. And I worked in the, in the medical field. He said I was reluctant, somewhat embarrassed. He felt foolish and the request, but compelled. And he had a choice to make. And interesting, he involved the other ER doctor when he came back in for the completion. He tells of another story where he's praying on a person 
and the Holy Spirit falls on him, and he's in full mode of speaking in tongues, praising the Lord, and the nurse thinks he's gone crazy, as many would. I look back and I thought, would I have been that bold and that courageous at that point in, at any point in my career? And I, in honesty would say, in my early years, no. In my later years, yes. Because in my early years, I was concerned about my career, how uh, my, f and uh, very concerned about what people thought about me, uh, being a fool, making a, you know, doing foolish things, and being branded. Today, I've come to a place, or probably in my late 40s, mid early 50s, came to a place where I really didn't care. If God asked me to do it, I'd do it. And, but what I did know was if God asks us to do something, we may be looking like fools to the world, but in God's eyes, we become giants. He give, if he calls us to do something or asks us to do something and we do it, his, he's favored. He provides the strength and the courage to carry it out. Our strength and courage will come from God alone, the one who makes the request. Bold means a, a willingness to take a risk and be confident in that. Courageous means we're not deterred by the danger or the pain. We're brave. Bold and courageous go together. You know, many times when I go, my first walk of the day is around 7, 7.30 in the morning. It's usually my first call out to God and have a little chat with God. But before I start, there's all kinds of things go through my mind of how I can mess up this day. And, I, you know, the enemy loves to taunt us with many things. Uh, you messed up yesterday. You're a fake. You know you don't really trust God. Why do you even try? And, you know... My goal is not to start off my day negatively, but positively. And so very quickly, I try to change that whole scenario around when it's there. And I look to the promises of God and God's faithfulness in all of the past journey of 72 years. Because he never failed me once. When he asked me to do something and I was obedient, I had the boldness and the courage bestowed upon me by my heavenly father to carry it out. Psalm 27 and 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 31 and 24 says, what then? Be strong and take heart, all ye who hope in the Lord. Romans 8 and 31 says, 
What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then Hebrews 13 and 6 says, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd or helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? When we look at scripture, there are many men and women throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament who were able to defeat their fear, their anxiety, and learn to depend on God. And we can use those as markers and uh, encouragement that God will provide the courage and the boldness we need in order to carry out what he wants to do. Think of Noah building that ark, hadn't rained forever. All the people were making fun of him, and he continued on. And what the outcome was because of his obedience, standing in face of opposition, was him and his family were saved while the rest of the world was destroyed. Think of uh, David and Goliath, young man, maybe a teenager, facing Goliath, who everyone else was afraid of. God had prepared him for that moment because he'd already killed a lion and protected his sheep from all harm. And then comes Goliath. And it does not appear there was any hesitancy on his part other than he didn't want Saul's armor because it didn't fit. And what was the outcome? Goliath was slain. There are many where areas in our lives day by day that we need courage to face. We need courage about our past. We need courage for impossible situations. We need courage to take a big risk. And we need the courage not to give in. The past does not dictate our, what our future can or will not be. Moses had a terrific past. He had a lot of insecurities and fears. And when he responded to God, uh, he wanted to go back to Egypt where his fear, God was sending him back to Egypt where his fears began. However, he was motivated by God's vision of working through him to save his people, the Jews, who were suffering untold experience. In Exodus 3, 11 to 12, we read, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You shall serve God on this mountain. Oh, let me go back. And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Going back to the place that he dreaded, in obedience to God. And you remember when he was called, he said he was, he was a man of weakness. He couldn't speak and all of the rest. Did not God provide 
and he had to face the fear of his past. You know, sometimes our past, I'm not saying God doesn't forgive us and all our past is under the blood. However, it is in the minority that our past does not come up at some future time as we age. And it will haunt us. It will also be something the enemy uses to try and take us out. Moses needed to face his past, but had to realize, but what he realized was it was not without pain and suffering. But God was with Moses, as he will be with us. You know, our past, sometimes, God brings to the front. And the reason he brings it to the front to be dealt with is because it's hindering us from being all God wants us to be and who he wants us to be. And when we face that, what appears we don't want to go there, and it's dealt with, that's what I call freedom. Freedom from the past. But it takes courage and boldness to go back and sometimes have to relive traumas, have to make restitution, and all of these things. But the one thing God will tell us, he will be with us. We can be still. The enemy cannot defeat us about our past when we've dealt with our past. And when we understand who God the Father is and how he has provided us. You know, by facing, for those of us who need to face a past and do it, it is not to our own strength that happens. It is by the strength God provides through his Holy Spirit, which gives us the courage, which develops boldness to deal and allow God to work in the muck of our lives. And when we face the past and deal with it, we are changed, and we will be different, and we will be more in what God has for us in the future. You know, we also need courage to face impossible situations. There are all kinds of things you and I will encounter in our lives that seem impossible. The mountain's too high, the valley's too wide, there is no water to drink, and I'm talking in spiritual terms. In the book of 1 Samuel, the chronicles the epic power struggle between the Israelites and their chief enemy at the time. Though King Saul and the Israelite soldiers were dismayed by the daily threats of their enemy's giant, who took courage? The man who fought to slay Goliath took courage to fight Goliath, he was motivated by his disdain for Goliath's defiance against God and his people. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 32, 33, and 37, And David said to Saul, Let no man lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul said, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, 
and he's been a warrior from his youth. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. David had been prepared for this very moment. He had courage because of what God had done for him out on the hillside, protecting him and his flock from danger. That gave him a steadfast confidence in, the God, in his God. And he knew that his God would deliver against opposition. And David acted on his faith in his God with simply a slingshot. And God gave him a victory. The whole army fought at his side. And with God's help, won a great battle that day. Have there been times when there has been an obstacle, a situation we're afraid you or I have been afraid to tackle because we believe it's impossible to overcome? Did we think it insurmountable when we tried everything we knew to work it out and it failed? The fiery darts of the enemy around the situation was paralyzing us. Our thoughts became, oh, there's no way I'm going to get through this. You know what? You and I live in the devil's playground, and he loves to throw a curveball. That's what he's all about. And you and I, God is bigger than any mountain. He's bigger than any valley. Our boldness and confidence come from how he has brought us through other impossible situations. And you and I have all faced them. The times he asked us to do something and we confessed our weakness. And what did he do? Gave us supernatural courage and the strength to do it. Once we were obedient. It's interesting that the confidence and the strength is not there until we say yes. When we are willing to obey, then the impossible situation becomes possible. Not because we're deserving, but because the Father is uh, uh, gratified by the fact that we will be obedient and carry out what he wants because he knows how weak we are and how afraid we might be or how anxiety-producing it is for us. The same way who provided the escape for, from previous mountains that we climbed, valleys we were able to cross and there was an oasis for us, previous impossible situations brings you and I to a better understanding of the Father. Our relationship develops and our relationship with the Father changes our outlook. Doesn't mean as a human being we won't be anxious. We are human after all, and he made us with all the emotions that we carry. But he's there to provide that which we need in the facing of what seems impossible. 
And that's not easy when everything seems to be going worse, getting worse instead of better. But doesn't he give us the strength to hang on, carry on? What about the day God may ask you or I to take a big risk? Well, think of Esther, Queen Esther. She risked her life to persuade her husband, the king, to foil the plans of Haman to annihilate the Jews in their country. Esther was a woman motivated by faith who had taught her about God, her uncle Mordecai, that she, and she would be filling God's call to save the people through her. In Esther 4 and 16 we read, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I am with my attendants. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So according to this passage, Esther prayed and fasted to put her trust in God, to give her courage to plead with the king, to protect her people, her faithful, but she had to prepare. She couldn't just take that kind of a risk without preparation. And what did she do? She fasted and she prayed. And remembered what her uncle Mordecai had told her. And it brought her to a place where she was willing to sacrifice her life, if the need be, to save her people, the Jews. And what happened? God brought a great victory for them that day. I don't know if you've ever been asked to do something that takes a risk. There's been a few times in my life, and I didn't go into it easily, believe me. A few years ago, because a lot of times what God's asked us to do seems foolish, or at other times it seems like the risk is pretty big, and am I prepared to do it? There was a time in my life, younger years, God came upon me by the Holy Spirit and said, for a period of time, there would be a voice of prophecy over me, and I was to write letters to various individuals. Then he told me who the individuals were. I'm not a good letter writer. And nowadays, my handwriting is so bad I wouldn't dare write one by hand. It would be even more confusing. But I was very anxious, and I figured God, I wasn't hearing God. But that was the enemy, and he was out to make a fool of me, and that would be the end of my spiritual journey. That's where my mindset was. But it wouldn't lift. 
And every time I'd try to wiggle around and talk God out of it, it only got stronger that this is what he wanted. So I began in my heart to prepare as best I could by praying, praying in the spirit. And then all of a sudden God said, prior to doing this, I want you to go to so-and-so and there and forgive them. And I thought, okay, this is too much. They don't even deserve forgiveness. And God said, I forgave you. Can you forgive them? And being who I am, I drug my feet. I, I don't go into things easily. And finally, I could stand it no more. God was putting so much pressure on me. I said, okay, God, I'll go. And that was a wonderful experience. I w when I went, I went in fear and trembling. But there was a boldness and a courage that came on me when I came into that individual's presence. And the presence of the Holy Spirit smoothed the path and everything was made right. Now God said, you can start writing the letters. I was to write one a day, and there were seven letters. I was to write, sit down, because I used to be an early morning, early morning riser, still am, but up at four, because I'd have a couple of hours before I had to go to work, and I would be studying and praying, whatever. God said, I want you to take that time once a week, over the next seven weeks, and this is today, you sit down, you get a pencil or a pen and a, a pad, and today you write to so-and-so. And I said, uh, what am I going to say? And he said, it's not for you to decide. You are to write what comes upon you. You are to sign it put it in an envelope without rereading it, and put it in the mail today. And that went on for seven weeks. Well, you can rest assured, I lived in fear of what were they going to think because I had, couldn't recall anything that was written in those letters. And sometimes they'd be two and three pages long. And it was like I was just sitting there and it was going like this. Just moving right along, no thought, and didn't have to really think. Wasn't easy. I never, and most of these people I would have known or had come in contact with. So that was, and then you come to face to face with them after you've sent the letter and they've had it. You know they've had it. It's been a week or two weeks and nothing. But what I learned was a very valuable lesson early in my wa that walk was that when I was obedient and left it to the Holy Spirit, in spite, uh, yes, I was anxious, and yes, there were times when the devil would come and taunt. But what I knew happened when I sat down with the pen and paper was a supernatural act of God giving warning to individuals about the path they were on or what they were doing is all I knew. 
So yes, there was preparation. And there was then the act of obedience to what God required, as Esther did. You and I sometimes are going to be called to do something that's a risk. A risk to our reputation. A risk to how we're viewed by our neighbors, our friends. But what God is asking of us is take courage and be obedient. The first step of obedience is saying, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And the second step is to start moving out and allow the Holy Spirit to provide what we need. You know, when we acknowledge who God is, and we come before him with expectation that he will provide, and we are obedient, we clear the way for a miracle to happen. The last little bit I want to talk about is Daniel. And Daniel, Daniel, there was in the political realm, things had been set up to lay a trap for Daniel to get him to uh, sign into a law that would put to death anyone who worshipped God other than him, the king himself. And Daniel stood his ground to pray to God only. Daniel 6 and 10 says, When Daniel knew, learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Nothing changed. And in verse 25, we read, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations of every people and on the earth. And this was after Daniel had continued on. Daniel's courage grew through praying three times a day, even though it was against the law. His honor of God in prayer overpowered the temptation to all nations their day, in their day to fear and revere their God. The king changed his edict. You know, there are going to be times when you and I may be the lone voice in a situation it would be easier to go with the group than to stand against what everyone else wants. And the question is, are we able and prepared to do that? Is it something we're willing to die for? You've heard the old saying, are you willing, is that a battle you want to fight? Is it a battle worth dying for? That depends on what it is. It's in knowing what God's will is in every given situation and then speak it when it has been given us. And we can't be haughty. We have to be humble, use the right tone, and only reveal what God has given us. We shouldn't add anything to it or take anything away. It is the word prayer and a willingness that we are able to be obedient in that role. The ability to speak it and leave it with the Holy Spirit. Our responsibility 
when God asks us to speak up as the lone voice, is to deliver the message and leave the rest to God. It doesn't matter that no one else agrees. If we are delivering God's message, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to change things or allow them to carry on with the wrong path and have to redo. That's not our responsibility. But are we willing to be that humble? Are we willing to be the lone guy? That's what it comes down to. It's not our duty to convince. It's only our duty, even when it looks like things are heading for disaster, it's our duty only not to give in and to be bold and courageous to live in it. Today, you and I never know when God is going to ask us to look at our past, to look, be faced with impossible situations, when he's going to ask us to take a big risk, or we're going to need courage to be able to stand alone and not give in. I encourage you that whatever he asks of us, and how, no matter how anxious we have become, how we look at what we're able to deliver, that we fortify ourselves with the word of God, with prayer, and in some cases with fasting. And remember those times when we were obedient and God gave us the courage and boldness to be obedient. As Psalm 27 and 14 says, wait on the Lord, be courageous, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. First Corinthians 16 and 13 says, be on alert, stand firm, in the faith, act like men and be strong. You know, when we are obedient, reminds me of an old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Another verse says, Lord, I love you. Please help me to trust and obey, Lord. I love you. Please help me to trust and obey. I trust that... Thank you.